Exploring the natural world, one podcast episode at a time. This is For What It's Earth. Hi, all, and thank you for joining me for another episode of For What It's Earth by me, Marissa Jacobs of the Art of Ecology. Here, nature enthusiasts, animal lovers, eco-warriors can all discover and explore so many facets of the natural world and the environment that we all love, as well as some creative ways to make a positive difference for the planet. During season four, I am combining two things that I love most, the natural world and being creative. So you are going to hear from artists across many mediums, from all over the United States who are trying to make positive differences in their communities and making their ecosystems a better place by raising awareness both through their art and about the planet's flight. So this week I am joined by Katie Sestuzzi who is the founder and director of the Liquid Spine Project and she is also the recipient of the 2023 the Art of Ecology Conservation Mini Grant that I run each year. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Marissa. I'm so excited to to chat today. Yeah, awesome. So first off, just right out of the gate, can you tell us more about your Liquid Spine Project and really what are its goals in promoting awareness? I know you were mentioning to me and in your little grant application that you're focusing on aquatic ecosystems. So why, why water and what is the goal? Great. Um, Liquid Spine is a global dance series that seeks to unearth the environmental needs of water systems. Um, And when I say water systems, I mean rivers and oceans and ponds. Um, And the goal is to use dance as a way to create awareness in bioregion specific areas. So we can use dance and film, we can use dance and performance, we can use um, community events that are kind of encapsulating movement as a way for people to gain awareness in regard to what's going on in the water systems that um, are in their backyard or are in their community so that they can hopefully um, take action, uh, maybe spark further communal change. And the real goal for Liquid Spine is that we're gonna do this in many different communities all around the world. And when we have this communal change, this communal awareness, then we have global change. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. Um, And this is just like the first year of the project. So it's really exciting. But um, you asked why water? And I am just like absolutely in love with being in water. Um, Being specifically in the ocean on a coral reef is like, my happy place. Um, (laughs) And I've had the I've had the privilege of being able to travel to just like absolutely beautiful places um, in our world. And when I'm in those places, especially when I'm in the ocean and like surrounded by these amazing animals and the corals and just like the beauty of the natural world. I do feel like this tension between enjoying and loving what I'm seeing and also being like, we need to protect this. Um, So that is where kind of liquid spine was born out of many different passions that I hold. um, One being dance and movement, um, international exchange and travel um, and my love for 
the water and uh, its flora and fauna. Oh, that is so cool. Um, so just going off of that, where has been the favorite place that you have gotten to see? You keep mentioning the coral reefs and I really, I really like them. Yeah. So you have a favorite? Um, I had the incredible privilege of going to French Polynesia and um, got to do a lot of uh, exploring in Tahiti and on the island of Morea. And I would say that that was absolutely the greatest time of my life and my favorite place to visit um, for sure. That is so cool. Did you go there just for diving or swimming experiences or for dance as well? Or Yeah, so this one, it was actually just my husband and I, uh, we went. It was actually um, our like post-marriage trip, our honeymoon. Um, so I wasn't dancing there, but I have had the opportunity to go and dance in Israel and in Italy. And I um, got to do some some snorkeling when I was in Israel too on the Red Sea and the Red Sea is also just crazy incredible. Right. And it's it's really strange because you're in the water and it's like this really abundant coral reef. And then you look to the shore and it's just all desert and sand. Um, That is, that is so uh, kind of jarring. I was in Dubai and so right on the Persian Gulf and it was the most intense barren desert that I have ever seen. And then we went swimming the next day at the beach on the Persian Gulf. And it was just like a, how do these two ecosystems work together so closely? Yeah, it feels it feels kind of strange. You would think that it, it would be like this lush kind of jungly area. Yeah. On, you know, what, what you see in the water. But uh, also the Red Sea was, it was incredible. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, so. You you mentioned that you did Israel and Italy. Did you do dance there as well? Or was that also just the snorkeling? Yes. So I got to, um, I went there for dance. I went on different grants for um, dance. And when I went to Israel, I went specifically to study dance improvisation and contemporary movement, which is kind of like a niche. Um, and I got to take class um, in the Batsheva building in Tel Aviv for a week. Um, and Batsheva is like one of the leading contemporary dance companies um, in the world. Um, and then I got to go and serve as kind of like a guest and a shadow in the choreographic process of two other main dance companies in Israel. And then I just was in Italy. Um, So I was in Italy for about five weeks this past summer. And I got to explore the relationship between dance and landscape. Specifically, I did a workshop in Sardinia. And I was living in this kind of like eco reserve um, in Sardinia where they, you know, they they cook the meals for you right from uh, right from the ground and it's all really like fresh and organic. And then during the day I was off dancing like in the ocean on rocks, you know, in the forest to further cultivate um, a sense of connection between nature. And, yeah. That, so that to me is just so fascinating because I see as an environmental educator, a, a huge disconnect between people and the natural worlds where we're just not getting out. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but we're both in our offices right now. I've been here 
so far this whole, I know it's, it's a Tuesday when we're recording this, but I've been here the whole week. I don't actually get to be out in the field as much as I would like. And that's even as an environmental person. And, and so it, it is sad to see this kind of disconnect that is growing, um, especially as we're getting more sedentary lifestyles. We're not up and moving, which I can imagine you get to move a lot. Um, but when I get kids or adults, whoever I'm teaching outside, actually moving around and interacting with the, the landscape around them, typically here in Pennsylvania, it's a lot of forest and streamside areas. Uh, but I see such a, such an increase in just people's mental kind of outlook as well as just this curiosity for the natural world is increased as well. So how for you, um, I get, I guess what I'm trying to ask is how were you inspired to take movement and combine it with your love of the natural world? Like how did that connection happen? I mean, I've always used my art form as a kind of a vehicle or a catalyst for social inquiry or for social justice based work. Mm -hmm. um, for, you know, like the first kind of 10 years of my choreographic career, I was creating work about like anything that sparked this like uh, sense of this is uh, maybe unjust or this this shouldn't exist in our world and then I would create art about it. Um, so for me that that kind of process uh, just is, feels very natural to me, but kind of putting it into the environmental, the ecology aspect of it and then placing it within the natural um, landscape itself, whether I'm creating a film or doing community events or doing a performance, I find that if you can give viewers, collaborators, whoever it is, an embodied experience where they are in the place where there are more touch points for them to have those direct interactions, mm -hmm. I find that they walk away um, more profoundly impacted. Yeah. Uh, so an example of that would be I did a my first film was released in September of 2022. And in conjunction with that, I did a beach cleanup for the viewers to come and to actually like move their bodies right. you know, on the ocean, um, picking up trash. And then they would go and they would see this this film festival of dances speaking to the environment. So. Um, I just feel like there's many different ways to spark uh, yeah. action. And I think if you can do it in an embodied way, it can be super, super powerful. Absolutely. I, I The more that you can combine the various kind of learning styles, and I, this is all from an educator's well, point no, of view, absolutely. but as you're talking, I'm just like, oh my gosh, yeah, absolutely. If, you know, people want to be hands-on. Um, as they're watching things, they want to uh, use their hands, they want to move their body. And there's methods of thinking that revolve around people learn better when we are moving and engaged. So that just to me is like, oh my gosh, yeah, this totally makes sense as a, as a tool, as a platform for raising awareness, which I think is really cool because often and myself included up until I went to undergrad and then I was opened, opened my mind to all sorts of different mediums and different platforms. Um, but people tend to think if you are going to use 
art to raise awareness. It's through mediums such as photojournalism. We think of the National Geographic magazine and the photographers, they go take pictures and then write a story about it. Or we think of the public murals in these, you know, city areas that are trying to raise awareness for social justice or environmental movements, things like that. But it's just so cool that you are using movement to, to spark change, which that's just so cool. I love it. Yeah. Um, I do have a question going on, on the movement based, and this is now as just, I don't know too much about dance, um, but I noticed that on your website, you described in your bio that you are a movement artist and as compared to dancer. Uh, is there is there a difference between the terms or are they used interchangeably or what, what is That's that? Awesome question. Awesome question. I think some people will use them interchangeably. Um, I like to use the term movement artist because um, the process in which I create, uh, I call it an exploratory dance process where I'm not using a codified dance technique or set steps to necessarily create a work or to choreograph. So I use a lot of improvisational techniques mm-hmm. where um, I'm giving imagery or I'm giving kind of verbal ideas for the dancers to then embody and to explore. And sometimes that uh, movement may not look like what people think is dance. Now, I personally, I personally think that all movement is dance. I think that what we're doing right now, like talking with our hands, (laughs) that's dance. Um, But um, the kind of exploratory aspect of it, I will call the people that I work with movement artists, not dance artists. I have Um, collaborators that come from various backgrounds and experience levels in dance and movement. Um, And I think that movement artists to me just feels more uh, open and more inclusive of like all the movement that I use um, within my process and my artistic medium. But I think that that's an an awesome question to bring. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I definitely sounds much more, as you said, open. It's not limiting to, oh, you're a jazz dancer. I had, I have a friend who is in like the jazz tap ballet sort of group as, as a kid and into her adult life, she went to do um, some ballet and jazz teaching. So that's kind of the only real recognition or understanding that I have of mm-hmm. the world of dance. So it's really cool to hear the, the more open yeah. um, and inclusive role that that can have. Absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of exploratory dance, improvisational dance. A lot of people use this kind of practice, oh, cool. and it kind of um, it kind of pushes away labels. So, like you said, jazz or tap, like it's it's all movement. Although the forms itself, they're specific. There's much history and culture in every single form. Mm-hmm. It's really, just like open it up to this limitless possibility, you have so much to work with. That is, that is cool. Especially, um, I, I am not a dancer. (laughs) Um, a a good example of this would be my husband and I wanted to do a a first dance for Mm -hmm. our wedding and like make it more 
uh, special than just the rocking and swaying together. So we took dance lessons. And I was put to shame every single lesson with my husband can move his hips in incredible ways. <laughs> and I just, I could not co- grab concepts. During one of the lessons, I panicked, did not know what to do. So I jumped. I don't know why that was nowhere in, it was a waltz, nowhere in anything. And I just jumped. And my dance instructor, my husband, we're all laughing over it, but it was always something that like I wanted to do because it was fun, not because I was good at it, but it's kind of cool and encouraging and then to me of just you're saying, talking with your hands, like, Hey, I can do that. I can move. We're dancing right now. Yeah. yeah. That. And like, so say like your instinct right in that moment was to like, jump, was to find like, yeah, this kind of in your body in yeah. an improvisation class that would be like encouraged that you oh. feels natural yes. so you're, you're in good company you're in good company. awesome there we go maybe I just never learned about the improvisational dance mm-hmm. I need I need to re- go that after you yeah. there <laughs> oh my gosh that's really cool though I I like that very open mm-hmm. so then you you were mentioning before going back to your your love of the ocean and just you love being in the water you love dancing and being the movement artist so going way back in your life what kind of inspired you to to go this route to begin with Hmm. I started dancing when I was little little like four or five Um, and I loved it like Mm -hmm. immediately and I know that this might sound a little like cheesy but like age five I said I'm doing this nice um I think going back to those embodied experiences dance helped me channel difficult things in my childhood and it became this really like healing processing center and safe space for me to unpack right so I really like latched onto that as a child and as a teen And then when I started to create um, my career, I wanted to give that opportunity to other people. So I do a lot of teaching. I do a lot of mentoring. Um, And then also when I create, I want to, uh, like with Liquid Spine, I want to make a difference. I want uh, to make something a little bit better or to bring uh, inequity or a challenge to people's attention so that hopefully in the real world, maybe outside of the the studio um, or outside of a performance space, uh, they can make change in their lives. That's so cool. So when I know when we were scheduling this, you mentioned that you're on spring break, you're a professor of dance. Uh, what what sort of classes are you teaching? Is it all the improvisational stuff or? I teach a lot of improv um, and a lot of different kind of facets of improvisation within it. Um, Contact work, solo work, scored work. So scored work would be like you create rules and um, you might do it in an outdoor space. So you could create a performance that's completely spontaneous, but it has these rules anchoring you in a space um, and you can perform that. Um, I also teach contemporary dance, which is um, more of like a codified movement language. Um, I teach like dance history, dance appreciation, uh, 
teach, teach a lot. I also teach a composition and choreography. So the art of generating dances and making dances. And I'm really lucky that I teach at a lot of different schools in Massachusetts. That's really cool. So do you incorporate um, kind of that desire of let's use movement to spark change for your students as well? Yeah, I think that's a that's just like at the, the heart of what I do um, in my improvisation classes. To me, it's more about the cultivation of identity. So people leave feeling empowered in their bodies and their choices and their morals and their their values as human beings. Mm-hmm. So they can go out and um make the change themselves. But in like a contemporary dance class, for example, I even do a unit on contemporary dance and social justice um, so that they can learn how to uh, do their research, uh, explore different perspectives to create a piece that could raise awareness, spark change, um, or even uh, change the perspectives of people that see it. So that's like that's actually what we're going to do right after spring break at one of the schools I work at. Oh, so yeah. cool. That's really great. Cause then you're not just impacting the people who view your work, you're impacting then your students who then will go on and, and carry that with them. Which yes, that's the goal. 100%. Yeah. That's awesome. So if you were to then say, okay, I had I, I know that this is probably a hard question because I'm asking for a single mm-hmm. single thing but if you had a single kind of personal action um, or promote one concept one uh, way to spark change that people take away specifically from your liquid spine project um, what do you want people to get out of that or? that one single personal action? You know, I think that it's um, that small changes can have large impacts. Uh, In my first film, uh, the film was all about uh, plastic and pollution um, in the ocean and on the coastline of um, Cape Ann, which is Northern coastal Massachusetts. and so like the, the theme, the call to action there is to think about, uh, are you using a plastic bag? Are you using a reusable bag? Are you using plastic water bottles? Do you have a reusable water bottle? All of that. Um, but I think the overarching theme is more so that if you make small changes in your life and everybody does that in your community and then on a global level, big change will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that if you can all just think about maybe small changes you can make in your household or um, in your work life or how you get from point A to point B. Even though those small changes might feel insignificant, if we all do them, they're right. going to be really, really powerful. So that's, I think, the biggest goal for, for uh, Liquid Spine. Um, and that's why I'm doing different projects in many different places and having the content or the narrative of the art that I create be so specific to where I'm creating it, the buyer region, the community oh, of people, wow. so that they can like have real clear action items of, oh, I can make this change here in my community. And if it happens everywhere, hopefully we have like real, real big change. That's the goal. That is really cool. And I guess you did kind of mention 
this briefly as you were introducing your project, if you wanted to do this in various areas around yeah. the world. Um, and so that idea of going to wherever and saying, okay, what is the problem to address mm -hmm. here? How does it impact the culture or the people that are here? That's really neat. Do you have, I know you mentioned K-Ban is where you're doing the liquid spine here for this year. Do you have kind of future goals for where in the world you want to do this? Yeah. So, um, so first of all, I'm really excited that my second film is going to be um, completed this summer and it's going to be filmed in Augusta, Sicily. So I'm going back to Italy. Um, and Augusta is actually the town that my grandparents grew up in and immigrated from. Um, so I still have some like real beloved family that live there. And I'm really grateful to be able to go back. Uh, but the kind of narrative of this film is that there is a petrochemical complex in the town that's leaking mercury into the Mediterranean Sea. Oh my. Um, it's linked to a cancer epidemic um, throughout that region. So I'm going to be doing a film about um, the leaking of mercury and the impact on the earth and the water. Um, wow. so again, like, that's very specific, right, to that area. Right, yeah. But hopefully that it will spark awareness um, and promote change. Um, because like, think about that, even if just that small town in Sicily mm -hmm. could make change, it would have these great, huge impacts. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And then, I'm doing a live performance, which I'm going to be using the Art of Ecology um, grant to help support in Salem, Massachusetts. Cool. And um, I'm, it's actually going to be in a fountain. And it's for Global Water Dances, which is kind of like this interconnected um, event with people from around the world doing oh, wow. light sensitive dances. And the fountain is really cool because it shows the the changing topography of Salem, Massachusetts on the ground of the fountain. So like if you look oh, wow. from an aerial view, you see different levels of the fountain, which shows how it has the, the land, the coast has changed. Um, so cool. Yeah, it, it's, it's like a really, really cool space. I went to, I went to my um, undergrad in Salem. So I didn't even know it was there until like last year, this really cool um, historical fountain. Um, so I'm going to have some professional dancers. We're going to do a work for Global Water Dances. And the theme there will be about protecting coastlines from erosion, um, from drilling, from all of the things that might affect uh, the coastlines and the animals and uh, anything in between. Wow. That's That's so cool. I know erosion is a huge deal here in Pennsylvania. Um our number one pollutant of water bodies here is sediment. Is that similar in Salem? Um, there, there, is like, there is so much erosion in Massachusetts. And uh, we have like, you know, we have Cape Cod and we also have Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. Mm -hmm. And um, I know because uh, I was talking to a wonderful indigenous artist last year. She um, lives on Martha's Vineyard. Um, and she said that their lighthouse actually needed to be moved because of erosion. Oh, um, wow. What a yeah. challenge to yeah. have to face. Right, but, right. So big, big challenges. Yeah, definitely. Oh, my gosh. 
Well, that's that's a lot kind of to take away talking about the the importance of water, especially then we think of, okay, erosion. Um, maybe people might not think that's such a huge deal. Okay, well, of course, dirt is going to be in stream beds, things like that. And then you think of, oh, well, we have to move a lighthouse. Like, mm-hmm. that that's a lot. And what are the implications of the whole entire base and the foundation that the lighthouse was on of that? you know, going in, covering up all the the life forms that are on the bottom there, those bottom dwellers, as well as some of the animals that were in the ground that got moved away. Um, And then talking about what you're doing in the future in Italy with the mercury in the Mediterranean and how how water moves is incredible, which I guess goes very well with dance or movement artistry as well of just reflecting that that grand movement across the globe. And now I'm just thinking about, oh, great. There's lots of mercury in the Mediterranean. Where is that going to go? How does that impact, impact the aquatic life? How will that then impact the terrestrial life? And so it's really, really great to, to see that you're kind of raising awareness of that and hoping to spark, spark some change. So for what it's earth, each person who can learn more from Kitty Pastuzzi, more about her project, and really start to embrace their their natural connection to the ecosystems around them, get out there, move, get excited about the natural world, and learn more from her. That's going to make the world a much better place. So with that, thank you so much for digging deeper into the natural world with the Art of Ecology and with Kitty Pastuzzi. Um, Kitty, before we go. Do you have anything, social media, videos, anything that you would like to share with the listeners here? Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for having me and for supporting Liquid Spine. Um, so much gratitude and appreciation going your way. For anybody listening, I'm actually coming to Pennsylvania um, ah. for Wilson College's Arts Festival in April. So um, you can be on the lookout for information about that. I'll be screening oh. Liquid Spine Film and I will be doing kind of a back and movement class. So that's specific to, to Pennsylvania. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you can also follow uh, Liquid Spine's journey on our Instagram page, which is uh, liquid.spine. Um, I also have a personal website in which I post the Liquid Spine videos and upcoming events. Um, and I will be certainly sharing uh, the Sicily film and I'll be sharing pictures and video of the performance in Salem. For this. Oh, great. Um, I will definitely post those links both to your Instagram and your website in the podcast <laughs> description here so people can access that really easily, very quickly. Um, these films, just a question, my own curiosity. Are these like feature length film documentary style? Or are they like little snippets or? So they're, they're um, short films. Uh, the first film I did in KPN was just under 10 minutes. And the one that I'm doing in Sicily will be under six minutes. Um, okay. Yeah, so it's like an artistic yeah. uh, exploration of the specific bioregion challenge. Um, but I can definitely, I can share the first film with you. Yes. It's available for public viewing. So um, you can share that. 
Excellent. I would love to share that. And those little snippets are very digestible, easy to say, oh, I have, I have a couple minutes. I'm going to watch this. So yes, I would love to share those as well. And I just want to watch them too. Excellent. And for those who are listening, this is going to be made available, the video version. So of us speaking, you can see how much I uh, dance with my hands. <laughs> that is much more graceful than what I just did. I love it. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but the video version will be available on my Patreon, which is at patreon.com backslash the art of ecology. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please support, review, and continue to follow along to explore more of the wonderful ecosystems and the incredible artistic expression that people can use to raise awareness about our planet. For What It's Earth can be found on many podcast streaming platforms. And for more tips and eco-inspiration, you can check out my blog at www.theartofecology.com. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And with that, I will see you next week on For What It's Earth with another guest that you definitely won't want to miss.